Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. God wants to be believed. As a matter of fact, he is insistent upon being believed. Um, he finds no satisfaction <clears throat> in anything outside of faith. What does Hebrews eleven six say? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. How many here want to please God today? Amen. Anybody here? All right, seven folks. All right, all right. Well, that's not bad. We have we have quite a few that do. I know all of you do. You want to please God. So if you're going to please God, you must have faith. And this, and then it, and then it says, for he who comes to God must believe that he is. How many of we all believe Jesus that God does exist? He is right, and he is a rewarder. So faith is about knowing him, recognizing him as God, and receiving from him. He's a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. And last week we talked about uh, uh, the book of Jude, that one chapter book, uh, really the subject of it is faith, because it starts off saying to contend earnestly for the faith, which was uh, once delivered to us or to the saints. It was once for all delivered to the saints. And then it ends that book by saying, and you building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Well, when did faith come? It says it was once delivered. So who delivered this faith? Well, according to Galatians chapter 3, it says that before faith came, that we were kept under a law, the a tutor, and it, uh, until Christ. But once Christ has come, once faith has come, we don't need that any longer. Jesus is the one who delivered faith to us. That's powerful, isn't it? Jesus is the one who brought faith to us. And so everything about our, our life, everything is important is hooked to faith. Amen. So if, fee, if pleasing God is what requires faith, if it's how we get saved, then it would be foolish for us to not look at, into faith and to focus on it because we need to know how to get it, how to keep it, how to grow in it, how to exercise it, how to use it. So, but I want to just encourage you today. Uh, one thing that I want you to understand whether you're new to Christianity or whether you've been in it all your life, is that faith is available to you right now. Yeah. Right now, faith is available to every one of us because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Yeah. So every time you come to church, this is an experience for faith to come by hearing the Word of God. This is so good, all right? So it's, it's available right now. And, and you can have more faith even than you have right now. Did you know that? Faith is something that Jesus likened it to a mustard seed. If you had faith as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into, or to this mulberry tree, be uprooted by the roots and be thrown to the sea. But many misinterpret what he's saying there, faith as a mustard seed. Many, many think that people, Jesus is talking about the size. If you just had just this little bitty, little bitty faith, you could do that. Well, if, if that's all you need, why is Jesus rebuking his disciples for little faith? It's not about... The size, it's about what's in the mustard seed. The mustard seed starts small, but it doesn't stay small. It, once it's planted, it grows and becomes one of the greater trees. Some say that I've done a little bit of research on it years ago, and they can get up to 75, even up to 100 feet high. I mean, from that little bit of seed, Jesus is talking about this is the kind. If you had mustard seed kind of faith, that when it is planted, it grows and grows and grows and grows. And then you grow on your faith. <laughs> But Jesus was delivered this faith to us. And, and so then it's important that we look into, okay, then what did Jesus teach about faith? How did he act in the atmosphere of faith? 
So we're going to look at several scriptures in a very short amount of time. And I understand that you'll not be able to retain everything that's said here. If you are able to do that, God bless you. You're highly gifted. But for the rest of us, we have a podcast. And so I want to encourage you to go back over this week and listen to this podcast and, and let this just wash over you. Because there's lots of scriptures that we, I want to touch on today, but we're just going to be able to just kind of puddle jump on it. Okay, so let's grab our Bibles and go to the book of John chapter 2. Remember, um, as many as received him, the Bible says he gave the right or the authority to become the children of God, as many as believed on him. So you as a believer, you have, hallelujah, rights that anything outside of faith can't have. Faith brings you into rights. Isn't that beautiful? Uh, and those rights are that you get what God wants you to have. <laughs> you get what God wants you to have. You have the right to become the ch- child of God. Like I said last week, you know, um, because you are God's children, you don't have an obligation to obey him. You have a right to. You're in the family. Amen. You don't have an obligation to heed his voice. You have a right to. You have a right to healing. You have a right to blessing. You have a right to his faith because this is what faith has brought us into. So let's look at what Jesus taught. John chapter 2, and this is Jesus' first miracle, and we're just going to start in verse 3. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. So it wasn't that they didn't have any. They had it, and they ran out of it, right? We understand that? Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. How many of you believe that Jesus was speaking the truth here? (laughs) Yes. It's not a trick question. It's a simple yes. He was, yes. You know why he's speaking the truth? Because he is the truth. All right. He said, my hour has not yet come. So Jesus said, I'm not saying anything that the father doesn't want me to say, and I don't do anything the father doesn't want me to do. Everything is in sync with him. And there's timing to it. My hour's not yet come. But it's like Mary didn't even hear what he said. Now, this is interesting. How many of us at this moment, I mean, think about it, especially if we buy into a sovereign God kind of mentality that we just say, okay, well, the Lord's will be done. He said it's not his hour, so. But she she didn't accept that. She says to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were set there six water pots of stone according to the manner of the purification of the Jews containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. Why didn't he say, didn't you hear me? My hour has not come. All of a sudden, what? What happened? Yeah, his hour had come, hadn't it? Because she believed. His mother's faith launched him right into his miracle ministry. It's a powerful thought, right? According to him, it wasn't time. According to her, it's time now, all right? Look, Jesus said, fill the water pots with water. How many water pots? There's six. How many gallons? At least 20, right? So let's multiply six times 20 is we have at least 120 gallons of wine. Wow. All right. He said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. What's the good wine? What makes wine good? What makes it better? I don't know. You're the ones that know. <laughs> Fermentation, age, time, 
So not only did Jesus perform this incredible miracle of turning water into wine, he turned it into aged wine. Wow. Sped up the process, the fermentation process, right? This is so powerful. So, uh, so the, the, like the master of the feast said, wait a second, this is the good stuff. You saved the good stuff for last. That's not how you're supposed to do this. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. Remember, this is an interesting story. When I was in Bible school, oh God, there was this, everybody was arguing about this story right here. Well, it wasn't real wine. They, they just couldn't handle this miracle, right? They just couldn't deal with it. We just wished the miracle of the wine would go away. Especially in the belt buckle of the Bible belt, Dallas, Texas. Huh? Just didn't have any... Why? What's the deal? Come on. Okay, here's the thing. Jesus isn't trying to make well-drunk people already more drunk. I mean, they ran out. They drank all of it. Do they need more wine? Come on, talk to me. Do they, is it a need? But he gave it, didn't he? So it's not that Jesus is trying to make drunkards out of everybody. Here's, this is, the, this is Jesus. Think about this for a moment. He's about to represent a miraculous God for the first time in his ministry. What does that look like? Well, a need, show, a, a need shows up, right? His mother says they have no wife. So here it is. Now he's going to represent God to mankind. Here's the need. The need is not what's necessarily important. The wine, it's not really about the wine. Jesus shows us how God meets needs. Exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. The very first miracle is a miracle of abundance. This is a precedent-setting moment for us to look at God. What does he look like? What does he want for us? What does he have for us? And he has more than enough. This is his first expression. Isn't this beautiful? Do you know Jesus' very last miracle that he did after he rose from the dead was a miracle of abundance. His miracle ministry is bookended with, with miracles of abundance. What do you think the message is that we need to get? Faith can move circumstances. Faith can move people. This moved Jesus to respond, even when it wasn't, is ours. So faith is among the highest of all spiritual ideals, Jesus himself being moved by it. So I think it's really cool, too, something that we can learn from this is that God does not necessarily work a miracle because someone needs it because it's a necessity, right? He works miracles because he works miracles. I mean, because you need to eat, right? You need to sleep. You need to pay bills. You don't necessarily need more wine, but he did it anyway. John 3. Let's go to John 3 now. Verse 15. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Let's all say this next one together nice and loud. Ready? Read. For God so loved the world. Believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Great job. So what Jesus is teaching us here about faith is that eternal life is not based on performance except for that of Jesus. All right? A few other scriptures on this, on this truth. Like I said, we're going to walk through several scriptures. So y'all just, The reason I want to give you so much word here this morning is because that's how faith comes. What would be the point of me preaching on faith but not giving you enough word for faith to come. <laughs> Amen. John 5, 24, Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life. Is that simple enough? Hear the word, believe on him. 
hear the word, believe on him, shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Oh, I love that. Has passed from death to life. Uh, John 6, 47. John 6, 47. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. Kind of all about him, isn't it? No, not kind of. It is all about him. John eleven twenty five. Jesus is talking to one of Lazarus' sisters. And he says, I am the resurrection, right before he raised him from the dead. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me, are we catching what he's saying yet? Hmm? Shall never die. Do you believe this? So we understand it's not about faith in what we do, but about faith in what Jesus did. Our whole, our whole uh, clinging and relying on is to Jesus. Cling to, trust in, rely on. You know, after the, the Jews were watching Jesus and, and, you know, just being, seeing God in a whole new light through this man, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, all they knew at this point was a, some system of religion. But now here's, here's God in the flesh, and I mean representing heaven like nobody ever had before. And so they come to him and they ask him, what must we do to, to work the works of God? What must we do? What should we do? Jesus answered and said to them in John 6, 29, let's bring that up. This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. Wow. So the work of God is to believe on Jesus. That's what he just said, right? Yeah. Ooh, isn't that good? Yeah. This is the work, that you believe in him. Now, faith, our, our performance doesn't create faith, but faith creates performance. It creates performance. And, and, and because faith is the performance for which God is looking, right? Without it, it's impossible to please him. So God's looking for faith. This is what he's looking for. This is the, those who trust in him, those who believe on him are well-pleasing to him. All right, let's go to another place. Ooh, John chapter 4. I know we're, we're skimming the surface, but I hope this is getting in your hearts. Then Jesus said to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. The nobleman said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. This man comes to Jesus because his child is terribly sick. Jesus said to him, look at verse 50, go your way, your son lives. Now this is important. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and he went his way. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him saying, your son lives. Then he inquired of him the hour when he got better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, which is four o'clock in the afternoon, and uh, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was, is that right? Seven? No, it's one o'clock, isn't it? It starts at six. Yeah, one o'clock in the afternoon. Sorry. Uh, so the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives. And he himself believed and his whole household. Right? This is so powerful. So he believed before and he believed after. <laughs> Amen. He believed. He believed the word. Jesus used the word of faith to heal this man's son. Yeah. Psalms chapter 107 says, you, uh, verse 20, I think, says you sent your word and you healed them and you delivered them from their destruction. All right, so understand that Jesus' word is just, and, and uh, the centurion we'll talk about in just a moment. Remember, Jesus, the centurion said, Lord, I'm not worthy for you to come into my roof. You just say the word. And I know my servant will be made whole because this is what I know. I'm a man, as a soldier, I'm a man under authority. 
Therefore, I can say to this one, go, and he goes. Notice he didn't say, I'm a man who has authority. He said, I'm a man under authority. Because there's a chain of command. And I'm a man under authority, and because I'm submitted to authority, I know I'm speaking for a higher authority, so when I tell this one go, he has to go, and to this one come, he comes. So I know that all you have to do, because you are under God's authority, you have to just say the word, and you're speaking for God. This is so powerful. The man said, I don't, I don't need you to come to my house. You just say the word, because your word is just as good as you being there yourself. Hallelujah. So... He used the word of faith. The man believed it. And guess what? He got the results. And Jesus marvels. Let's look at this for uh, Matthew 8.10. Matthew 8.10. Remember, I want you to understand that faith in God, even the word of faith which we preach, as the Bible says, is not some denomination or some movement or, you know, it, it's not optional. Amen. It's everything to our Christian experience. Amen. Uh, Matthew chapter 8 is about the centurion, but look at verse 10. When Jesus heard it, this man said, just say the word. He marveled and said to those who follow, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Now, this, this is a little bit of a rebuke because the centurion is not a Jew. All right, this guy's like us. He's on the outside. He has no covenant rights with God. He's not a son of Abraham. He's on the outside. As a matter of fact, he is seen as an, as an enemy because, you know, they're under Roman oppression at the time. And so here he comes to Jesus. Apparently something's working in this man. He, he, he recognizes Jesus as God's authority in the earth. And so then Jesus says, I've not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Now imagine his disciples around him and he says, not even in Israel, right? You sons of Israel, you sons of Abraham don't even get it. You are, your father is the father of your faith, Father Abraham. How is it this foreigner understands it? But you don't get it. And he marvels at the man's faith. There's another place, there's only two places in the scriptures where Jesus marveled, and another place is in Mark chapter 6. Now look at this. Jesus comes back to his hometown because he wants to minister to his family, right? Oh boy. Now some of you may be here, and your experience is that you're one of the few Christians in your family. Right? Might be your experience. And, and then when you got saved, something happened, like a light came on you and you became a target. And they're watching you, waiting for you to what? Screw up. So they could say things like, you call yourself a Christian. Right? So Jesus basically says this in verse 4, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Man, your family just will not cut you any slack. We know who you really are. You're a carpenter. You come out here and you say, you're the healer. And it says they were offended at him, and that's why Jesus responded that way. Look at verse 5. Now, he could do no mighty work there. It, didn't, it wasn't that he didn't want to. He could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. So he marvels at this man's great faith, and then he marvels at their unbelief. Then he went about, but you know, this right here, this next few words are such, uh, it's such the mercy of God. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. Why did he do that? Because the only way to get rid of unbelief is to teach it out of people. Because faith comes by hearing. He comes to this atmosphere of unbelief, so he goes in all around this area teaching, 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 just so that maybe faith can come. Because if faith can come, then the mighty work can come. Then the miracles can happen. Amen. 
So it seems the only way to make Jesus marvel is with faith, either the greatness of it or the absence of it. I I want the greatness of it. Amen? Yeah. Okay. Matthew 8, let's go a little bit more. Matthew 8, 23. Now, when he got into a boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea so that the boat was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him saying, Lord, save us. We are perishing. Now in Mark's gospel, uh, the disciples say something to him like this. Lord, don't you care that we're perishing? Don't you care? You're saying this to the one who's about to die for your sins. Good job, guys. Verse 26, but he said to them, why are you so fearful, O you of little faith? Why are we so fearful? Jesus, can't you see what's happening? Why don't you ask the obvious question? Right? The reason we're fearful is because the boat's filling up. The storm's blowing around us. Why are you asking that question? Because what's important to him then? What's important to him? Apparently, faith is What's the most important thing here in this situation? Even more than making them feel okay. (laughs) Oh God, have we got this flipped up upside down in our society? We just want everybody to feel okay. No, 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 there's a way more important thing, right? Why are you so fearful? We coddle fearful things. We medicate it. We, huh? Why are you so fearful? Oh, you of little faith. Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So the men marveled. <laughs> Watch this. So the men marveled, saying, Who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? This is amazing. The disciples' response here is one of awe, but apparently this is the wrong response. What they need to do is believe. Jesus simply rebukes them for not acting the way he did. I mean, didn't he train these guys already? Hadn't he sent them out already? Or they had gone and seen miracles happen? How come one of them didn't stand up and say, no, this storm is done. Peace be still, themselves. Because sometimes it's just easier to put it all on God and not take personal responsibility for our faith. See, Jesus wasn't looking for these guys to be impressed with him. What he wanted to do was impress upon them their need for faith. So it's far more important to the world to witness the power of God in you as you exercise your faith than it is to continually just tout the personal power of God, even though it's rightly ascribed to himself, right? Through, uh, um, uh, with no demonstration, I should say, through you. Let me say it like this. It is fitting that a believer praise him and stand in awe of God for his authority and power, right? We do that, don't we? That's fitting. It is, however, shameful for a believer to act as though those same qualities are not in them. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, right? You have the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name. And Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth is given to me, therefore go. In other words, what I have, you have. And you're going to trample over all the power of the devil. Nothing will by any means hurt you. This is so powerful. We need faith. We need faith. We need it more than ever. All right. What time is it? Okay, good. Now, Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. 
And when they could not find, verse 19, how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. The story is Jesus is preaching in a crowded house. These four friends are carrying their buddy on a stretcher. He's paralyzed and they get to the, the house and they can't get in because of the crowd. So they hoist him up on top of the roof. They make their way up there. They start breaking the tile, the roof tile. How I many you know these, these, these guys are a really good friend? right? They are determined to help their friend get his miracle. And they break, cut, you know, get the hole open and they lower him down right in front of Jesus. Imagine this scene. It would have been cool to be there to see this. And, and um, so verse 20, when he, who's he? It's capital H. So who is that? <laughs> Good answer. Whenever in doubt at One Cause Church, if I ask you a question, the answer is more than likely Jesus. Okay. So just that's default. When he saw their faith, whose faith did he see? He saw the friend's faith. When he saw their faith, he said to him, man, your sins are forgiven you. That's a strange thing. He saw their faith and he forgave the man. He didn't see his faith. He saw their faith and he said to the man. I said he didn't see his faith. He saw their faith and said to the man, man, your sins are forgiven you. So faith then isn't just a personal benefit, is it? Faith, your faith can be very beneficial for your friends. What might they get? Because he sees your faith. Ooh. Man, your sins are forgiven you. Now watch this. And the scribes and the Pharisees busted a spring, lost their ever-loving minds, began to reason. Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say your sins are forgiven you or to say rise up and walk? Because isn't it all the power of God anyway? You're looking for a certain thing to say. You're saying that uh, you're rebuking me, saying only God can forgive sins. But what if I said rise up and walk? Isn't God the only one who could perform that miracle? Idiots! <laughs> They're always looking for some kind of way to catch him in his words. But isn't this interesting that Jesus says, this is a, this is a powerful thought. I learned this from C.S. Lewis. What man has the audacity to walk around and forgive people for their sins that they've committed to somebody else maybe? Or to act like he's really the target for the, um, for the injury, Right? I forgive you. Well, who do you think you are? I mean, can you imagine Carl just going around saying, I forgive you for what you said to your wife? Chris, I forgive you. Your sins are absolved. Right? Right? What would she be doing? Like, what? Right? Renee would be like, uh, get out of here, Carl. Right? You don't get to forgive him for something he did to me. Now, either this man who's going about doing this kind of stuff is a freak right? Completely self-absorbed or he's God. It's un, nothing else is, is reasonable. He's God. Who can forgive sins on earth but God? I love this. Look at verse 24. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. 
He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately, he rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on and departed to his own house, glorifying God. Wow. So this paralyzed man, this is a powerful thought. He's both forgiven and healed by Jesus seeing the faith of his friends. Now, there is an indication here that where faith is, there is forgiveness. Isn't that true? When you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you received the full pardon. Paul says something very interesting in 1 Corinthians 7, 14. He's talking about uh, the, uh, a believing husband who's married to an unbelieving wife or, or vice versa. Look what he says, though. He says, for the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife. The unbelieving husband is sanctified by the believing wife. And the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean. But now they're whole. Now look what faith does for a house. Look what faith does for a spouse. That God sees him as hallowed. The children as hallowed. Hallows them as holy because of one person's faith. So your faith not only benefits your personal life, but also your family, your friends. It's kind of interesting, though, that the forgiveness of sins was neither requested by the man's friends nor him, but that's what he got. That came as a result of Jesus seeing their faith. Wow, what a thought, huh? Last place to go, Acts 14, and we'll finish up here. Acts 14, and in verse 8, And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking, Paul observing him intently and seeing, look, seeing that he had faith to be healed. Paul saw that this man had faith. wonder what he saw. I mean, we see Jesus, we, when he saw their faith, we say, yeah, I mean, he saw these guys doing what they were doing. Some might not interpret that as faith. Some might just interpret that as destructive, what these guys were doing, or rude, or, you know, interrupting. But Jesus saw faith. Right, but here, how nobody's there doesn't look like there's any action here because it says the man is sitting, listening. He's sitting and listening, and Paul sees faith. He says, uh, seeing that he had faith to be healed, he said with a loud voice, "Stand up straight on your feet," and he leaped and walked. Never walked a day in his life from his mother's womb. Think about that. And something in this man, as he's hearing a message, I don't know what Paul was preaching on. I want to guess it's something to do with Jesus, though. And this mystery, right? Christ in you Gentiles. The gospel has come to you. You've been brought near by the blood. You are not who you used to be. You know, talking about what that, the same spirit who raised him from the dead. There is therefore now no condemnation. Just pick any of his messages. And this man, who's never walked in his life, is hearing this. And something in him says, I Believe I can do a new thing today. I can walk. Something in him was convinced because of what he heard that he could be healed. He was convinced. And Paul, the the spirit helped Paul see it. And so he calls the man out. Stand up straight on your feet. And the man got up. I mean, he immediately got up, was leaping and walking. It's a powerful thing. So then faith then can be seen in action, like the friends, or, and faith can even be seen in sitting and listening. Yeah. But what, what matters is, let's let God see our faith. Yeah. Amen. Let's let him see. Why don't we just lift the, up the name of Jesus for just a moment. Let's just praise his name. You know, the Bible says that it's the sacrifice of praise. This is our sacrifice of praise to God.
That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Come on, offer, lift up your voices even now. Let's bless his name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done for us here. Thank you, Lord, for what you're teaching us and showing us in faith. God, help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to not settle in our own reasoning, in our own thinking, to not be swallowed up by this world system of believing and its thinking and its philosophy. God, help us to simply take you at your word and believe you. No matter what we're experiencing, as we were singing in this song today, even when I don't see it, even when I don't feel it, God, you're working because you who began the work in us, you will be faithful to complete it. So we trust you. We believe your word today, Lord. Maybe you're in a situation right now where you need God's hand. You need, you need a miracle. You need help. Just today, say, God, I believe you. I'm going to stop talking about my problem. I'm going to stop focusing on my problem. I'm going to stop worrying about my problem. I'm going to trust you right now. I believe your word. And you said, whatever things I desire when I pray, believe I receive it and I'll have it. So I believe in Jesus' name for the breakthrough. I believe for the provision. I believe for the healing. I believe for the healing. I believe for the restoration in my marriage in Jesus' name. I believe that all of my children shall be taught of the Lord in Jesus' name. I'm believing God. That that hindrance in my life is out of the way. I'm believing for the breakthrough. Because you sent your word and you healed me. You will supply all of my need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus because you've not given me a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And because you are able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that I could ask or think according to the power that works in me. So I trust you today, Father. I cling to your promise and I'm not settling for anything except that which you have for me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we can just speak your word. Send your word and watch it bear much fruit in Jesus' name. Whatever needs are here today, our God has supply. He has an answer. He has a way. And the end is always good. Thank you, Lord. So we trust you today. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works lest anyone should boast. What I love about this message is this message is Christ. Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He rose again the third day. Whoever believes in him will have everlasting life. Whoever will be saved. Amen. Remember that. Love that. Believe that. That gospel is the power to save anyone who will believe it. Thank you, Jesus. See, it's not just Christ died. He was buried. The essence of the gospel, Christ died for our sins. He couldn't have died if God didn't credit Jesus with our sins. There's no way. He was sinless. The wages of sin is death. He could not have died, but the fact that he died means that he really did take away our sins. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand together. Thank you for your patience today. 
been listening to a bunch of information here, but I hope this has inspired you and encouraged you. And I want to just encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast and, um, you know, take it some chunks at a time. Amen. Let me bless you. Now, may the Lord bless you and may he keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and all of your house and be gracious to you and give you peace in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.